Good morning and welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. I'm Nathan and joining me today is Craig. Hello. And Susie. Hello. Are Craig and Susie? Or is Craig and Susie? Are. 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 Get on with it. Okay, sorry. We have interacted with some people on my Facebook page recently, but we didn't actually get any actual feedback that we needed to mention in the podcast, I don't think. Um, no emails from anyone. So moving on to notice board. Well, you got feedback that somebody was listening to us. I did. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Let's put that in. Okay. Let's rewind that back to the beginning. Um, okay. So feedback. We d- I did get one piece of interesting feedback. Uh, I was on the phone to someone from the IT department at the council. Uh, he was fixing something on my computer for me, and while we were waiting for my computer to reboot, he casually mentioned that um, he'd discovered the cusp recently, and that he was uh, planning to sit down and listen to some of our old episodes. So did he know that you were a host? Yes, and he, he he's, I don't know, I'm not quite sure how he found it, although um, Catherine did claim some credit, because she said he saw her calendar open at work and saw the skeptics in the pub mm-hmm. uh, and then she ta- was talking to him about that and uh, she may have mentioned the cusp uh, and he was looking at the um, cast page and uh, and noticed my name and recognised me from the times that he's helped me at work with stuff so yeah that was interesting and um, we had a bit of a conversation because the computers are really slow at the moment um, <laughs> and uh, he had just been having a, um, a discussion with someone else in the IT department about evolution um, it turns out the guy that was helping me that had passed my job on to Damien um, is a creationist is that why he passed your job on? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so um, it's never come up Um he couldn't connect to my computer, and Damien has some clever trick that he does that means he can. But, um, yeah, they'd been having a big big argument, and so he um, BCC'd me in on the email that he sent back, which was quite funny. Uh, it's at work, though, so I can't right. read it out to you. Anyway, yes, yeah, so um, yet another crazy stalker fan. Yet another, it's hard life. We have thousands. Being okay. famous. Right. Notice board. Uh... You guys went to the conference. We did. And I didn't. And it was awesome, apparently. It yeah. was very good. Yes. Yeah. It was a very good conference. Tell us about it. Anything interesting? What was your highlight, Craig? Ah, well, I guess um, uh, we had Sue Nicholson, the uh, alleged psychic and star, <laughs> one of the three stars of the Sensing Murder program on TV2. Is Sensing Murder still going? No. I haven't heard from it recently. No. No. No, No, didn't the company making it go bust or something? Mm, Perhaps something like that. Anyway, so she uh, was kind of the interesting star attraction. Bet they didn't see that coming. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. She was was the last speaker on um, Saturday afternoon uh, before the dinner. Um, So she came in in her full um, garb and... Does she have some sort of costume, or ah, no? Well, she's, she's just very pink. Ah, she's very pink. I see. And pa- pink with the, pink was pretty much a theme of the conference, <laughs> really. What with Susie's pink hair and uh, 
pink psychics. Pink psychics, and there were yeah. a few other people who were sort of dressed sort of in pinkish, reddish colours. Yeah, in fact, for our panel, there was myself and Kylie and um, Pamela Gay yeah. and Alf Eldridge, and we were all wearing shades of pink or red. It was quite uh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, was a little strange. Anyway, so um, Sue Nicholson uh, talked to us about her experiences as a psychic, and and kind of what she does, and and how she kind of has had this ability. There's ability a, in scare quotes. Um, Peter Griffin has actually recorded it, so we'll put a link up. Um, ah, people keep saying Peter Griffin. Peter is Griffin is the guy from Family Guy. The well, dad. not this one. Ah, but it's really annoying. He okay. should change his okay. name or something. <laughs> Peter Griffin is the man who runs the Science Media Centre. Thank you. Yeah. Here. Okay. And he was at the conference and he recorded her talk and he's put up a post about it. Um, because of course the thing that was interesting about Sue Nicholson's appearance at Skeptics was that the TV cameras were there. Yeah. So they came and they filmed mm. her. They weren't interested in any of the other speakers. They not even came. Pamela Gay. Not World even Pamela famous. Gay. No. No. They just came in and uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, filmed her for a bit and filmed all of us looking rather uncomfortable and bored. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the interesting thing, so it was on TV3 and um, when I actually looked at the footage, they... um, and I saw myself there, well, they actually... The footage was from a previous talk. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) a different speaker. Because I was sitting in a different place. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So Weird. they got some they got some shots of us listening to a different speaker and then uh, and pretended that they were actually shots of us listening to Sue okay. Nicholson. Were um, you more interested in the footage they showed, or I don't know? I was sitting down in the front row and and taking some photographs. So okay. I think it might have actually been during the um, during the panel. The panel. Mm. Maybe <laughs> that's why I was looking bored. <laughs> <laughs> the panel so I did see about the state of skepticism yeah, in different countries. Yeah. I did see the um, the article on the TV3 website mm. talking about it and there were some interesting comments at the bottom. Um, Sue Nicholson must have mentioned something about a previous case that she claims to have yeah, solved. Yeah, so, so, so she, was, she was asked whether yeah. anything they had done had resulted in one of the cases being solved and she was absolutely adamant that there was one case yeah. which she named several times um, as being that case. Mm. So and the family of that of yeah. that murdered person were in the comments section of the mm. TV3 article, and they were quite upset mm, about wow. this. Yes. Basically, they were saying that she had absolutely nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of the cases has actually been, well, they've arrested somebody, um, but Sue Nicholson didn't actually have anything to do with the well, providing any. She claims it was cut from the final program. Ugh. That's one of the things she said. It was cut from the final program. Right. Um, but she, the, I, I know nothing about this case, from, but from what I was reading of the comments, the woman's body has never been found. That's what the family were saying. Okay. I can't so, remember, but there definitely was some arrest or some suspect. Yeah, so somebody's been arrested, Yeah. but they, still um, don't, know where they don't know where her body mm. is, and the family were basically furious. And what was kind of sad reading the comments section was that uh, Sue Nicholson's... Um, Supporters were attacking the family members. Oh, they're very, yeah. very nasty mm. about it. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. dare you effing this? And, <clears throat> and it was very interesting that they were saying, you know, oh, she'd been she'd been cut to make her look worse, and it was like, mm, sure. no, actually, yeah. she'd been cut to be pretty favourable because she said some really silly things. Mm. Um, like, for instance, one thing she was it you that asked the question? So I asked the question. I said, 
but there are lots of skeptical organizations around the world who are offering big cash prizes um, to to show that you have psychic powers and wouldn't it be good if you could actually do one of these tests and actually humiliate the skeptics and and prove once and for all that you actually do have these powers and so her answer kind of astounded me really mm. she sort of said well skeptics reckon that they can do the do psychic tricks as well as psychics can so skeptics should be the ones taking the test what yeah <laughs> but the other thing she said was um you think she'd have prepared a little bit mm. come up with some answers for things she knew she'd know um, she was going to get asked she was asked uh, about the process of filming sensing murder stuff and what she essentially said was that they are put in a room for 12 hours what um with the cameras and that they have to come up with something and and what she said was you know we're we're sat there and of course there would be no show if we didn't come up with something so we have to come up with something yeah Uh, (laughs) and i don't think she realized how bad that actually sounded yeah so she sort of expressed that it would be unacceptable for her to sit there for 12 hours and and actually not come up with something yeah which is kind of interesting fantastic Mm. so what about some of the other speakers who was good I really liked, um, I'm trying to find her name, um, Loretta... Um, yeah, Morin, is it? Uh, that name. Sorry, I no, I'm not sure. kind of liked her that much, you don't remember her name. Well, she no, we lady, remember her, um, not necessarily her name. Her first name was Loretta. The yeah. lady who uh, started Friends of Friends Science, of Science in and Medicine. Medicine. Well, the unfortunate acronym of SFSM. <laughs> which is an Australian nice. organisation that um, they've done a lot of really good stuff. Uh, one of which was to um, go through all the courses that universities are teaching and sort oh, of yeah. basically say to the universities, don't teach shit. Huh. Loretta nice. Marin, Australia's quackbuster extraordinaire. She been before. She's no. She was Australian Skeptic of the Year in two thousand and seven and two thousand and eleven, and she's Chief Executive Officer of Friends of Science and Medicine. Oh, she is, isn't she? Is she no, the Jelly Bean Lady? Yes, she's the Jelly Bean Lady. She's yeah. been to the Skeptics Congress before. Oh, not in the time. Okay, apologies. Not in the time I've been there. Oh. Anyway. Maybe it's so, a while ago. Um, she was awesome. So she ended up giving two talks because the lady who was supposed to talk about fluoridation. Um, was ill so she gave a talk about friends of science and medicine and then she also gave a talk about um, dubious devices Mm. which was great just showing us pictures of things that you can pick up on the web that the iridologists and all of these people use and how much they cost and the fact that they're just a box with some wires in it and some BP buttons and things yeah she was great yeah I really enjoyed her Um, I really liked the um, talk about um, statistics Mm. Yeah, that um, was good. Yeah, that was very good. An and interesting what about Pamela Gay? <coughs> what did she talk about? She talked about errors that people can make and uh, sort of gave us a sort of a lesson about type 1 and type 2 errors that people mistake, yeah. mistakes that people make. Where, yeah, so uh, where a type 1 is when you believe something is true and it's actually not yeah and um type two is and type two is where you don't believe something isn't true and it actually is yeah which is something that apparently skeptics are prone to mm. doing 
What was also interesting, though, is okay. she made a throwaway comment about um, string theory not being... Was it string theory not being science? Or various things not being science. And um, there were a few uh, physicists on Twitter who got a bit right. upset. Oh, really? okay. <laughs> One of whom's the head of physics at Auckland <laughs> University. Uh. <laughs> he was like, what? <laughs> That was kind of funny. Yeah. I'm, well, like, I'm just tweeting it, man. <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> well, speaking of string theory, have you seen the Bohemian Rhapsody uh, song that was done? No. By oh. a physics student or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah, see it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's very cool, actually. Okay. So this guy has um, uh, written his own lyrics to Queen, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody and done an a cappella version of oh it. Goodness. And um, it is very, very clever. Good. It's very good. An interesting thing that ran through the conference was um, climate change. Mm. And we actually have one uh, member of the New Zealand Skeptics who shall not be named, but is quite a climate change denier and managed to sort of weave in a question to every single talk (sighs) related to climate change. Yeah. Which was quite amazing. I don't think he asked me a question about climate change. No, but the, well, I, I guess I guess some of the questions are reasonable because almost all of the speakers um, made some sort of reference to climate change being right. science, and and that was sort of a cue actually, for for him to jump up and say, "Well, actually, blah 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 blah." Yeah, and given that we had an actual climate scientist there, ah, they yeah. um, they ended up being interesting. Anyway, they were kind of told to take it outside because <laughs> they're going to talk all day yeah. <laughs> or argue with each other all day. So um, next year's conference is in Auckland. Yay. Yes. And who's organising that? Uh, well, Nathan. <laughs> um, I don't know why everyone's looking at me. I well, wasn't. I wasn't there to volunteer for anything. No, no, but you will be co-opted onto the organising uh, committee. I'm certain. Fine. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, so with it being in Auckland, um, I did uh, ask for ideas about who we could get as speakers. And one of the ones that was brought up was um, a guy by the name of Ian Plymer from the Australian Skeptics, who's a well-known climate change <coughs> denier. Oh, I see. Uh, actually, I want to know, <coughs> who um, asked Sue Nicholson to speak? Was she actually invited to speak? Yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. They also invented, invented, invited Ken Ring, Ring yes. <laughs> which was hilarious. His response, if you can find it on the, where, where was that? On the Skeptics page? Yeah. Yeah, he, he wanted, wanted $5,000. $5,000. And he wanted a security, and a security guard. Because he's apparently been threatened by Skeptics. <laughs> and he also wanted the right to stop talking and walk away <coughs> at any given point if he felt that it was getting, I don't know, aggressive or whatever. Yeah. What I, I found the whole thing a bit frustrating, though, because... You know, the way it was um, portrayed in the media was, you know, it's kind of coming and learning from each other, blah, blah, blah. And Sue Nicholson didn't come, she didn't stay for any other talks. She didn't talk Mm -hmm. to us. Well, she talked at us, showed her ignorance and... um, Yeah. In fact, I'm just not going to say the kind of stuff that she portrayed. Um, And... And there was no exchange of ideas. You know, she wasn't willing to take anything on board. In fact, when one of the skeptics basically said to her, you know, I hear voices and I'm 
bipolar. Schizophrenic, you know. Yeah. Um, I take medication. Why are you so different? And, you know, she's basically, well, I am, because my voices don't make me hurt myself. It's like, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. It was really... That's not how that works. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, it was really interesting. Was she not schizophrenic? Did I get that wrong? She, she was, was bipolar. Bipolar. Okay. Anyway, um, it was... It was very interesting, and I did, but I just think ultimately a waste of time because hmm. she. Well, I guess it showed us she's either a really, really good liar, and so is an utter fraud knowingly. Yeah. Or more likely, she's actually immensely deluded. Yeah. I should maybe say, in my opinion, she is immensely deluded, and she seems to be clear genuine, but genuinely. I I think stupid. I think for her to do psychic readings, she must have some awareness of cold reading techniques. No, you can cold read without realizing that you're doing it. What happens okay. is a person feel they may be hearing voices, they get told they're a psychic, or they feel particularly attuned to people when they're talking, yeah. and they become very observant, yeah. and they get the clues, and they. Sure. Make the same. You can realize. learn cold reading without necessarily reading realize. it. From yeah, the book. but but there are, there are aspects of cold reading that surely are learned, like coming up and saying, "Well, I'm thinking you have a a, a relative whose name begins with M or J or whatever." So those sorts of techniques you wouldn't ne- you wouldn't immediately. I could see how come you up could. With. I could see how you could, um, because I'm not. I'm not feeling particularly psychic right now i'm not getting anything from anybody i'm going to ask some questions mm. and no, see what comes up along. and see if that tr- triggers something well, one thing that was interesting was she uh she doesn't know what a skeptic means <laughs> because she said at the sort of quite early on in her talk that her father was a skeptic um he didn't like women or black people what <laughs> it's like uh, no, I think you mean a bigot. <laughs> Not a skeptic. <laughs> she seriously, she said, seriously said that. Yeah, you should listen to the recording what of it. The it's fuck? funny. I keep meaning to go and um, check that and, and listen to them all. Yes. I mean, the start, the 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 shit she's, she was spouting was quite <laughs> yeah. astonishing. So did people actually laugh during the? Mm. Well, we were trying to well, be I'm polite. Sure we got a reaction. I, yeah, I, I snort, yeah. snorted. I think. <laughs> Or possibly yeah. even said what? I I, th- I think having her there was an interesting um, experience for us. Maybe, maybe not for the Auckland then. You don't think? Don't no. Over don't my bloody dead body. You get well, even, no, or? we want we want no no we don't. We're, we're going to have a creationist. If we're going to have someone who can cold read, I, I want Darren Brown. I know a creationist Brown. who lives in Auckland. He's right. One of the. I just don't well, see we, what we, we learn want somebody, from them. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think it's an interesting exhibit. For us to observe. Oh, anyway, okay. anyway, uh, we'll park okay. This. What do you think, readers, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> readers, listeners, <laughs> viewers? What do you think? Uh, leave us a message in the comments field below. Wait, what? Well, and if you have some suggestions of people you'd like us to approach, yeah. yes, send us an email or check us on Facebook because I've been told that the contact us form isn't working. Oh, and Gold hasn't got back to me yet to help fix it because it's okay. all still on his server. Okay. Um, okay, that was the conference. Thank you, guys. Hmm. So I'll, watch out for next year. And I'll pro- probably probably make it to next year's. <laughs> I reckon you will. Pro- probably. I reckon you. I'm I'm predicting you will. Oh oh oh! I'm a prediction. Craig is making a prediction. Nathan will turn up at next year's <laughs> Skeptics Conference. 
I'm not sure why that sounds ominous, but let's move on uh, to news items. And Craig, we've got Texas in the news again. And wait, wait, let me let me guess. Is it creationism and school textbooks? Something like that. Tell us about that. Um, so the um, so a bit of background. Um, Texas is really important for school science textbooks. I guess all textbooks in the U.S. because it's such a large state yeah. that um, the textbook publishers sort of take the lead um, from from Texas. So um, textbooks that Texas approves then go on to be used throughout the rest of the country because. Obviously, the publishers don't want to have to publish different editions for different states, and because Texas is so large, it's uh, really influential. So they have um, committees of people who um, review the texts and um, say what what books are allowed and what aren't. And unfortunately, the um, the committees that review these textbooks have been infested with creationists. <laughs> <laughs> I like that the, again well yes <clears throat> and so one of the sort of famous uh, or infamous creationists is uh, Don McElroy um, who's a dentist who is a creationist does not accept the theory of, of evolution um, and if you want to actually listen to some interesting stuff about him, he was actually interviewed on the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe a few months ago, uh, hmm. talking about evolution and creation and and so on. It was, and then he and um, Stephen Novella sort of had a uh, back and forth on Stephen Novella's blog about. Um, intelligent design and creation and evolution and it was sort of quite enlightening really um the guy's the guy's pretty um deluded um he's famous in your opinion he's <laughs> famous for the quote um somebody's got to stand up to these experts <laughs> <laughs> but um so the the review of the textbooks is happening again at the moment and the funny thing is that don McElroy actually wants the um, evolution books used as textbooks for science classes in Texas because he thinks the arguments in them, the evidence presented for evolution in them is so weak <laughs> that it will show students how weak it is and therefore they will all become creationists. Oh my God, why can't we convince all creationists that that makes sense? <laughs> yeah. Come on, they're pretty thick, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. so um, apparently it was a pretty bizarre testimony. Um, so he he he's testifying at the the board of education, and um, apparently other creationists weren't very happy with that because <laughs> <laughs> they're there to um, to get rid of those books. Um, this is all quite important because they'll be making this decision soon, and this will determine what books are used in public schools for the next ten years. So. Yeah. <sighs> Anyway. The um, interesting thing is the Slate article is actually written by Zach Coplin, who is uh, sort of an upcoming um, 20-year-old who's sort of been made famous by for taking on um, trying to repeal um, a Louisiana uh, act that essentially allows teaching of creationism in public schools. Um, so he's sort of a... Uh, one person to sort of watch. He's 
<coughs> pretty pro teaching evolution and getting getting rid of creationism. Cool. Hmm. Okay. Moving on to the next item. Health Ranger claims Ted has been hijacked by corporate junk science. Mm. Susie. So I know what some of those words mean. <laughs> so this is um, Mike Adams, the health danger. Oh, or as he's known, the health danger. The health danger, who writes uh, on natural news. Well, that's really clever, Craig. Did you come up with that on <laughs> your own? No, I didn't. So he, um, just this week, has uh, put a post. Ted aligns with Monsanto, halting any talks about GMOs, food as medicine, or natural healing. Um, and he's saying that Good. Excellent. because of Good. this, Ted right. is dead. They've been thoroughly hijacked by corporate junk science and openly rejecting... Um, Pseudoscience. Su- well, yes. Okay, uh, all so. of these areas are, are now red flagged from being presented on any Ted stage. Um, Good. And he talks about this um, little known letter published uh, in December last year by Ted. Um, and he says that so it's kind of interesting reading the letter because the letter has this red flag topics um but okay so what the the reason for the letter is that um that there have been some kind of dodgy speakers and so for the community basically before any job Mm. any speaker is booked um it's the role of the community to check them out and to reject bad science pseudoscience and health hoaxes and so they list all these kind of things. They talk a little bit about Andrew Wakefield um, and then say red flag topics. And then they go on to say, these are not banned topics by any means, but they are topics that tend to attract pseudoscientists. If your speaker proposes a topic like this, t- take extra scrutiny. Um, mm. And it includes GMO food and anti-GMO foodists. Food is med- medicine, especially to treat a specific condition like autism. Um, and so, oh, healing and free energy. Um, Placebos, crystals, yeah. pyramids, power, free right. energy. Right, so they ask you to, you know, if you're going to look for somebody to make sure that they're not, a, you know, talking pseudoscience. But this has got um, Mike Adams in a bit of a thing saying, yeah. you know, and, and basically he clicks, he, he uh, links the letter, but actually, you know, I mean, it's kind of interesting that he says they're banned and they're clearly not. Yeah. Um, but he also well, he probably got as far as the bit that said food as medicine and then got really angry. Yeah. Yeah. And wrote his response. Yeah. The paragraph as well into that is um, maybe someone should remind Ted that 25% of all prescription medicines in some way are in some way derived from plants, including statin drugs. Drug companies expend enormous resources searching the world's botanical treasures for amazing molecules that they can pirate from nature and alter in some way to make them patentable as a drug. Even the World Resources Institute readily admit this, while also reminding us that 80% of the world population still relies largely on plant-based medicine. Then he goes on to say, Ted apparently thinks that 80% of the world population is purely delusional, because obviously, as Ted insists, real medicine can only come from pharmacological factories spewing out deadly chemicals, right? That's uh, crazy. Uh, uh, I think he's jumped to the wrong conclusion there. <coughs> uh, yeah. Hmm. And, wow. and then he also... Um, he also basically talks about the fact that um, that uh, Andrew Wakefield <laughs> is, you know, didn't ever link autism and vaccines, and that was that what? was. Um, he didn't actually try and say false. that, does he? 
Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That that was what? a complete fabrication by dishonest critics of Dr. Wakefield. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. What the hell is wrong yeah. with this? Yeah. Wow. And talking about Ted as a cult of scientism. Anyway, that's very interesting. Yay, scientism. <laughs> so, that, I see the word bullies. He did, he, did, he did also say that Dr. Wakefield will be completely vindicated. Oh, of course he will. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. <sighs> okay, <sighs> enough of that. Guy's an idiot. Yeah. In my opinion. In your opinion. So the, what's interesting this leads on to the, nicely to the next story because so this is essentially science under attack from the health ranger danger, danger ranger, um, but science has sort of come under attack from a rather unusual place um, recently, which is a senior editor of Nature. So he has written um, an article in the Guardian newspaper in the UK. Well. So I'm not sure whether it's on whether it's just on their online version, um, but they have a, a section called Occam's Corner. And the title of his post is "Science: The Religion That Must Not Be Questioned." Right. It's time for the priesthood to be taken to task, and journalists aren't up to the job. And it's really interesting because it's a very it's quite a long post, but also very confusing. Like it's unclear who he's having a go at whether he's having a go at the media, whether he's having a go at scientists, whether he's having a go at everybody. I think it might be everybody. Um, and sort of, it, so he sort of talks about how science works, but seems to also get that slightly wrong, hmm. that it's sort of a, you know, that you come along and, and everybody does some, some work and every day you're sort of almost refuting what happened before you and stuff, which is, you know, actually not, what happens at all did, really. did Frankenstein discover a way to kill all known germs <clears throat> I haven't actually read that <laughs> I don't get it no but yeah it's really interesting and he sort of so it's very interesting that a senior editor of Nature you know one of our top science journal journals sort of gets slightly wrong what science is and how it works and what scientists are like he even doesn't really understand statistical analysis and p-values mm. um and he's sort of accusing scientists of being kind of church-like and or you know religious, religious authority yeah. um and saying that so he ends with saying um i think um so he says those who are scientists or pretend to be scientists cling to the mantle of a kind of religious authority and as anyone who has tried to comment on religion has discovered, there is no such thing as criticism. There is only blasphemy. What? And this is just really interesting because obviously this, that, as a scientist, I mean, that's kind of not the way science works at all. And in fact, peer review done by, you know, when you're trying to get your work published, especially somewhere like Nature, you know, they, they're you're criticized to buggery and that's not blasphemy. It's just really interesting. So it's, it's bizarre that he's put this very ranty post up um, about the bad things that science has given us and, and the betrayal of faith and da 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 um, yeah it's really weird uh, and this is one of the senior editors in nature who will decide what goes in and it's also kind of interesting because you know these we call them the glamour glamour rags of science science, yeah. um, science and nature you know, they are the ones who have the highest retraction rates and stuff. You know, mm. they, they are the ones where the often Bad dodgy science in. gets in. And it's because of people like him who 
let stuff in. It's mm. really so weird. You're so saying he's not going to get fired then? I don't know what's going to happen to him. So what qualifications would he have? Is he an actual scientist? Usually the editors aren't, right. actually. Um, although there are people who who have gone through the science route, so they've done their PhDs and then they they go off and become editors. So I'm not clear. Usually the, the major editors aren't. And the sort of sub editors have got a science background, but I don't, I don't know in this instance what he what he has. Um, mm. But it, he's come out and said, "Oh, it was just an it was just an ironic post," which doesn't yeah. So so Jerry Jerry Coyne criticised him sharply, mm. and then uh, he's come back and said, "Well, actually, he was trying. It was humorous, and he was being ironic." But yeah, really, when you read it, it definitely wasn't. He's way off the mark if that's what he was thinking was humorous and ironic. Yeah. Um. So and then there's yeah, it's very interesting. Anyway, it's not what you would expect somebody Bizarre. from nature to be doing, mm, which mm. is essentially writing an article um, that will be read by a huge amount of people, which is extremely critical of science and scientists and the scientific method. Mm. And you would expect someone at nature not to be doing that. The um, Jerry Coyne dug up a quote from 2006 um, <coughs> in which he says, I am one of those people for whom Dawkins would no doubt reserve his most trenchant criticism. Dawkins thinks that science itself provides sufficient awe and wonder to replace an instinct for the supernatural. I don't. Religion, for all its ills and inequities, is one of the few things that makes us human. I am with the scientists of an earlier age who found that their motivation in advancing the cause of knowledge was to magnify the name of the creator. So, but he now... So, you've been listening to the completely... Oh, wait, no. He is now claiming to be an atheist. Huh. So bizarre. So I mean, it's not that there aren't there aren't issues with science, and mm. and and actually, I think many of the issues relate to the publication. One of the publications he works for, yeah. which is that you know this drive to have stuff in high impact journals, which can make or break somebody's career, means that things you know dodgy stuff gets in, and it's not either not well peer reviewed or you know that, I mean so there are issues but it's kind of I don't understand where his criticism is coming from because it's not clear who he's criticizing and in fact he is one of the people who is part of this gatekeeping process which fails yeah. and so claiming that scientists you know shouldn't be standing up and talking about their work it's it's weird very weird anyway. this is a very odd article mm. so from that moving on to a an article that might be published in a magazine like nature <laughs> Craig, they've found aliens and they live in our atmosphere. Well, that's the claim of a uh, less prestigious journal than <laughs> Nature. Um, this was found in the Journal of Cosmology, which is a fairly recently created journal. It's only uh. been around for about four years and it seems to be uh, the mouthpiece, mouthpiece of those who want to promote uh, their panspermia ideas. Uh, mm. Panspermia is the idea that life actually didn't originate on Earth, but it um, was delivered here by comets and that sort of stuff. Or all deliberately sort of by things. aliens. Or, or perhaps deliberately by aliens, yes. So um, anyway, so what uh, this article is claiming is that uh, researchers at the University of Sheffield and Buckingham University sent up this uh, balloon uh, around about 27 kilometres 
um, above the earth and then they opened up uh, a hatch and collected samples of what was in the atmosphere, the edge of the atmosphere at that particular uh, altitude and they have found these things called diatoms uh, which are supposedly um, single-celled algae and so they claim that this means well they, they, they claim that this is evidence that there is um, these biological entities being delivered by comets and there's no possible way that these things could get into the atmosphere from Earth. Our conclusion then is that life is continually arriving to Earth from space. Life is not restricted to this planet and it almost certainly did not originate here. Yeah. Um, but can they not get up Jumping the there. gun a little bit? Through well, weather patterns and stuff. I can't see how that would be... Um, well, so they say that the only way that they could get up there would be with um, a volcanic eruption and there hasn't been one big enough for three years so therefore there's no way that these things could get up 27 kilometres into the atmosphere. And that may well be true, it may not be. There, uh, um, there may be other eruptions or other ways of getting up there. This would be much more impressive if they actually put a weather balloon up in, um, in the atmosphere of above Mars and saw these things arriving. Yeah. And that, mm. that would actually provide a lot more um, strong evidence than, than this. And one of the things that drew my eye, drew my eye when I was flicking through it is that um, they have DNA, which well, they see as evidence that therefore all of our DNA came from the space algae's DNA. Yeah. Um, so I guess if they, if they analyse it and find that the DNA is... Um, well, that, that it is actually DNA. Yeah. So, the same basis for our life. Mm. Um, then, I did that either that is a strong evidence that it originated on Earth, yeah. or that Earth itself was seeded from uh, extraterrestrial sources. The thing with DNA is, stop me if I'm wrong, but one of the things you can do, I'm stop. probably yeah, shut up, <laughs> is. You can um, you can sort of track it, track down what's happened to it, right? Yeah. So you can look at two things and say, well, this is older than that yeah. because tumty tumty tum. Does yeah. that kind of make sense? Yeah. Gibbering like an idiot. Yeah, no, you can um, build trees and stuff and relationships yeah. between them. Yeah. yeah. So it's theoretically possible to say this algae is descended from or completely different. Yes. Never yes. seen it before. Yes. Right. Yes. So wouldn't that, to, wouldn't that require that you were able to compare it to all known DNA in the world? And we haven't sequenced every single... Not everything, but the no, stuff we have. Lot, there is a lot of stuff out there. And more and more every day. Hmm. You could disprove it. If you found mm. a correlation or a match. Yeah. Or a, a, a tree, as you say, a tree. Mm. That it was descended from something else. Anyway. So they did, so hang on, so they said carried microscopic studs in a drawer that opened 17 minutes in the, st for 17 the minutes in the stratosphere, taken at altitudes between 13 and 16 miles. That's not so high though. Seems pretty high to me. 13 and 16 miles? I thought you said 27. Well, that is about 27 kilometres. Uh. Yeah, but how 
How high kilometers. do we? Hang on. How high do we fly on a plane? Thirty thousand feet. What's that? Oh, That's God. ten thousand meters. So it's ten kilometers. Right. So. Sixteen's so only just nearly above three that. times as high as a plane flies. Ah, ah humbug. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty high. <coughs> yeah, but. So what you're saying, Susie, effectively is blasphemy. Why? <laughs> yes. Anyway, it'd be interesting to see where the story leads and if they actually do prove uh, to other sceptical scientists that, in fact, these uh, these little tiny creatures could not have... Um, we are all just, sitting I mean, here. Most of these little tiny creatures come from the sea, right? Mm. And so I, I just can't see how they couldn't end up in the air hmm. through many, many processes. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think so. So um, we're yeah, all waiting with bated breath, <coughs> but we're not holding it. No, that would that would be dangerous. <laughs> it would. I think we'd probably not <laughs> be recording anymore. Bating your breath means holding your breath. Does it? Yes. Oh God damn it! <laughs> I think that was a setup, Nathan. Right. <laughs> Moving on. Ah, so, <coughs> magnets. Uh, magnets. How the fuck do they work? <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You can't prove that. Wait, what? Uh, so, there's a paper out just out in one of my favourite journals, Plus One. So anybody can go and read it if they want. Um, which was a randomised, double-blinded, placebo-controlled trial into whether copper bracelets and magnetic wrist straps could alleviate the pain of arthritis. Dun dun dun. No. And they can? <laughs> oh. no. So they had 65 patients with rheumatoid arthritis and they randomized them to receive one of four treatments. So we're wearing a powerful uh, magnetic wrist strap or a weak one or one that had been demagnetized or a copper bracelet. They wore them for five weeks and completed a whole load of pain surveys and had all sorts of things assessed. They were assessed for inflammation. And after all of that... No statistically significant difference in any of the measures, regardless of which type of device the patients were wearing. Same and so they uh, they conclude that wearing a magnetic wrist strap or a copper bracelet did not appear to have any meaningful therapeutic effect beyond that of a placebo, which wow. is basically making people feel like they were a bit better, but none of their actual measures of whether they were better or not were different. Hmm. Right. So. And so the manufacturers of these devices will be withdrawing them from the market I and giving people their money back? I doubt it. I doubt it. Oh, and they've got something. Um, they talk about prices. Copper bracelets were total cost of £175. The um, Magnamax Healthcare of Ontario, who are no longer trading, that's interesting. Hmm. Um, they're. Ma- they're £1,050 for all of them. So presumably they bought actual products from the actual manufacturers yeah. that were... Yes, they yeah, did. Good. Okay. Yeah. And it's nice to see that they have... The trial was registered. It's good. So yeah. it's not on the agenda, but did you guys see that article about the student at a Nigerian oh, yes. university? <laughs> While well, we're talking about magnets. Magnets. <laughs> he, he used science... 
to prove that homosexuality is wrong. Yes. Um, someone's got to find this and read it out because, because it's just it too just hilarious. So funny. Uh, uh, and the whole the whole article while Susie's looking that up, it's just so. It reads like a four one nine scam email. <laughs> it's just that that sort of the style of speaking that they have, speaking writing. Um, Nigerian student uses magnets to prove gay marriage is wrong. wrong. Yes. Someone give us a quick rundown of that. A student in Nigeria, Nigeria claims he has scientific proof that same-sex marriage is wrong. The so-called discovery was made by some Nigerian name that I'm not going to try and pronounce, <laughs> a postgraduate student at the University of Lagos who told Nigeria's This Day Live that same-sex marriage is eating deep into the fabric of our human nature all over the world. He conducted experiments in physics, chemistry, biology and mathematics to test his theory. Ultimately, he deduced that the repellence of two similar entities, magnets, for instance, proves that same-sex marriage is wrong. <laughs> so, because, know, right? because magnets repel, repel therefore same-sex marriage is wrong. Yep. Well, that is that, uh, that is the thrust of his argument. Here we go. I'm going to read you what he says. Okay. I used two bar magnets in my research. <laughs> a bar magnet is a horizontal magnet that has the North Pole and the South Pole. And when you bring two bar magnets and you bring the North Pole together, you find the two North Poles will not attract. They will repel. That is, they will push away themselves, showing that a man should not attract a man. <laughs> Unless he turns around the other way. <laughs> 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 That's hilarious. Um, there you go. So um, we're expecting that to be published in Nature uh, in the next next issue. I just, how did that get past the university? Or well, they haven't come out with a, a response yet? Well, the problem is that um, Nigeria. I mean, in Nigeria, um, homosexuality is 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 basically banned. So it's, right. So hmm. they'd be quite happy, I guess, with the. So there's a fact, whole. So it says here, according to a 2013 study, 98% of Nigerians believe society should not accept homosexuality as a way of life. So <sighs> there's an yeah. entire university with scientists and students, and they all. Okay, they probably didn't all see this guy's research. But if they, oh, I've got, I've got to read this bit because okay. surely this is, this is, this is. Um, uh, so he says that one of his tutors has praised his research. <laughs> Recently, my lecturer at the Department of Chemical Engineering pointedly told me that I will win Nobel Prize one day because he found that my works are real and nobody has done it in any part of the world. <laughs> <laughs> we play with magnets all the time. Uh, Five-year-old uh, children, yeah, play with magnets. Play with magnets. <laughs> And they have a better grasp of science, apparently, than this guy. Yeah. Because he is really confused. Yeah. Or playing some sort of elaborate prank. So it says here homosexuality is criminalised in Nigeria. Yeah. 14-year um, punishment a for consens- consensual gay relationships. At a university, there's scientists lecturing and they're teaching their students that this sort of thing counts as science. I just that's completely bizarre. Yeah. Anyway, moving on back to the agenda. Sorry, guys. Um, oh, look, it's me. <laughs> this won't take very long. Don't worry, guys. Um, first reported 
self-healing polymer that spontaneously and independently repairs itself. Magic. I know, right? So scientists in Spain have reported the first self-healing polymer that's polymer that spontaneously and independently it's exactly what the heading said. Um, the new material could be used to improve the security and lifetime of plastic parts in everyday products, such as electrical components, cars, and even houses. And essentially what they've done in this main experiment is they've made a cylinder of this elastomer, cut it in two with a razor blade, and then pushed it back together. And it's, it's healed itself to its original state. Um, and they've got a demonstration there of it being stretched out and not breaking. Cool. They've dubbed it the Terminator Polymer in tribute to the shape-shifting molten T-100... T-100? Terminator robot? From the Terminator 2 films? Sorry, isn't that the T-1000? I reckon Uh, so. I think it is, actually. Yes, you might be right. Well, you're going to have to put a comment on this article. Fact-checking, guys. Uh, Jeez. (laughs) It's pretty terrible. Anyway, yes, so... It's pretty impressive. That's all I've got to say about it, really. Um, That's nice. Oh, self-healing polymers that can spontaneously achieve quantitative healing in the absence of a catalyst have never been reported until now. So Mm. basically it works at room temperature and and sticks itself together. Very good. It's very impressive. I I just like that. It's quite clever. So, uh, Woo Zealand. Quickly. Charter schools can teach what the fuck... <laughs> what the fuck they like, basically. Do I do I want to do I want to listen the to this? Essence of it. <sighs> Susie, is These this yours? Partnership schools. Well, anybody can take this. So a list of five schools. Um, now, see, what I been... saw recently was someone saying that isn't it terrible, and they shouldn't be allowed to teach creationism. Wasn't it the minister for something or other? I saw an well, article recently. Um, yeah, Heki Parata. Yeah. Uh, so they've so they've just announced the first successful applicants to run these schools. Um, and it said on Tuesday that none of the five schools would teach creationism alongside or instead of evolutionary theory. Yeah, but now that turns out that was wrong. Oh, for fuck's sake! So anyway, so it's very interesting. The the five schools that are going to start next year are the Vanguard Military School a secondary school for years 11 to 13 in Albany, run by advanced training centres. This one that I can't pronounce, which is run by the Hipunamarama Charitable Trust for years 7 to 13. Um, uh, Another one that's a bilingual secondary school for 9 to 13. A Rise Up Academy, run by the Rise Up Trust. And a South Auckland Middle School which will emphasise Christian values in its teaching, sponsored by the Villa Education Trust. South Auckland Middle School has told Radio New Zealand it plans to teach a number of theories about the origins of life, including intelligent design and evolution. Wow. You said that intelligent design isn't a theory. No. So the Education Minister has conceded there's nothing to prevent two of New Zealand's first charter schools teaching creationism alongside the national curriculum. And the Rise Up and South Auckland Middle School have contracts that will allow a Christian focus. Wow. Okay, I'm annoyed now. Mm. Another article. Parents question, parent questions, school Bibles program. Yes. Is this a more uplifting story? No. Uh, On a related note, if I can just find it. Oh, what have I done with it? Um... 
The, an Auckland parent says the board of the school his daughter attends is stifling discussion of religious instruction by not giving parents information that is critical to the classes. They're reviewing, so the school uh, in Howick is reviewing its Bible class program, but only information from the Church's Education Commission was sent home. So they have made a leaflet supported by the Secular Education Network, um, which they now want to hand out to parents, and that's basically being stifled. Hmm. Wow. This is Paul Bennett. He says Paul all Bennett, sides of the debate need to be heard, and so he has made this leaflet, um, but the school is not Good commented. Yeah, well done, Paul. Indeed. Get that leaflet out there. Okay. Yeah. So, Susie doesn't rant about the Ponson being nude. What? Oh, I'm just... Ah! There you go. I mean, what more can you say? Yeah. They're all annoying. So instead... And it's, I did actually have a bit of a flick through it just before, and it's pretty much all the same all sort of the bullshit. Same shit. You mean your rants aren't doing any good? <laughs> <laughs> so what I've decided to do instead today is to um, make a call to arms. So... Um, our Not broken arms. No. <laughs> yes, my daughter just broke her arm this week. Oh, um, is that what she was in hospital for? Yeah. Oh, I didn't look at... Hmm. Anyway, so... Our chief science advisor, Peter Gluckman, Professor Sir, was it Sir Professor? Professor Sir. Um, Wouldn't Sir be first? That seems more. No, it's Professor Sir. Professor, Professor Sir Peter Gluckman has done an audit of government ministries to look at their use of evidence in policy making. Oh. And so he's written up a report. It's a rather long report, but it's one that I recommend that people read. or you could just read Peter Griffin's from the Science Media Centre um, blog about it. <laughs> not yeah, just not just, just Google guy. Peter Griffin and see what comes up. Um, <coughs> anyway, so the audit is a bit well. It's, it's probably what you'd expect, really. That some officials, so he says, some officials had limited understanding of the scientific process of knowledge production, or were uncertain about it. In addition. They were, they were not clear on how research-based evidence could be used to support policy processes. Oh, that was worrying. It it's seemed that mental. some preferred to work from their own beliefs or rely on their own experience. Did he um, break down the research by religious versus non-religious? Just out of I interest? Because I would have... I don't know. It'd be nice don't to think see so. that. But what he has put in is a table with departments and agencies, the state of their science advice, and then what he calls other observations. Hmm. And so we've got that um, there is a, a departmental science advisor appointed for Ministry of Private, Primary Industries in 2012. Um, uh, one has just been appointed, I believe, to MB, or is that's ongoing, Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment, which is basically where... It's interesting sits. that these appointments have been so recent. Mm. I mean, what were we doing all this time without science advisors? Well, we've had none. That's the whole point. Yeah. And, and, his, and the chief science advisor appointments is only a few years old. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of departments for which is basically an appointment would be desirable, an appointment is needed, an appointment is needed. I mean, including environment, including climate change, um, conservation. Um, what else have we got? Anyway, health, an appointment is needed. Oh, Wow. Yes, you're <laughs> damn right it is. Um, and so this, this so is interesting because, of course, we... Yeah, so what what I would ask is that everybody read this report or at least the summaries of the report and then make 
the government in you know and ministries aware that you agree with this and that these science advisors should be in place and that we should be using evidence to at least inform where policies should be going or where you know so for instance charter schools is there any evidence from overseas that charter schools result in better education for children and i think the the evidence is no there isn't so why the hell are we bringing them in yeah um because most of government things are ideologically driven did you know that that's (laughs) precisely um what's kind of interesting so i'm obviously interested in the health stuff right and So we found out earlier this year that the Ministry for Health has these chief advisors, one of whom is the chief advisor for integrative health. So his job is to, according to the website of the Ministry of Health, integrate alternative medicine. Actually, Vicky Hyde says we shouldn't call it alternative medicine. We should call it the um, alternative health industry or something. Um, Anyway, of, of incorporating that into real medicine. Um, and last week I gave a talk at the um, in Immunization Advisory Center's annual conference. And so Peter Griffin and I did a final kind of panel discussion at the end. Um, and I raised this point that it would be really nice if the Im- community who are involved in immunization, you know, basically lobbied the Ministry of Health for a science advisor. And it turns out there was, there was somebody very high up in the Ministry of Health at this thing and so and i mentioned you know there's this person david st george whose job it is to do this you know he's promoting homeopathy and all of these kind of things and all of these things are anti-immunization right so the immunization advisory center should be and the people working in the immunization space should be up in arms about this so i says so i suggested to them they go and be up in arms about it anyway this man then stood up and introduced himself and said you know i have to i have to call you up on this that david st george is a lovely man and no that's not his job Mm -hmm. um and i said uh actually that that's what it says his job is in the website and did you know he is promoting homeopathy and all and he's no no of course he's not of course he's not um (laughs) actually i need to send him the evidence that he is promoting homeopathy because we have some because he submitted a seven page letter to the press complaints council um but it was really interesting that even within the Ministry of Health, they seem to have no idea who people are and what they're doing. Wow. Uh, um, and it just seems to be something as a country we should be mobilising everybody. Absolutely. And they, you know, the, and the um, one of the associate ministers for health came and closed the conference. And so afterwards, I went up to her and I said, "I just want you to know that I support Peter Gluckman's report, and I would like you to put um, in place a chief science advisor." And she just said, "Oh, oh, we already have plenty of advisors, and we don't need them." And hmm. so she needs to get letters, people, yeah. to say this is what we need. So I want everyone to go out and write letters. Well, what if we put a link to your blog and you can put a list of people to whom we can send emails? We could do that. And mm. then that makes it easier for people to find yes. information. Yes. To go forth, people, and <coughs> do something about this. Because they won't listen to the scientists, but they will li- listen to... The voters. The voters. Not that I'm not a voter, but... I'm obviously, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <coughs> rent over. I feel better now. Thank you. That was much more interesting than normal. <laughs> hey. Or at least more... Um, uh, anyway, you know what I mean. Shut up. So, moving on. So, no interview, because apparently it was really busy at the Skips conference, and they didn't get time to interview anyone. Wivs. <laughs> uh, quote, quote. Well, I'll tell you what. Yes? There'll be somebody else there next year who can take <laughs> charge of interviewing people. Ah, yeah, okay. Uh, Craig, quote. Yes, we have a quote. 
another one. This comes from um, somebody called Arnold Glasgow. And I'm sorry, but I have not any knowledge of who uh, Arnold Glasgow is. He says, It is harder to conceal ignorance than to acquire knowledge. Marvellous. That is so true. Mm. And today's word of the day is bated breath. Which means... <laughs> Bullshit, it's not. Not which, according to the agenda. Which means breathing that is subdued because of some emotion or difficulty. <laughs> and not, as some people would have you believe, holding one's breath, which is a completely different thing. <laughs> how, is, <laughs> how is baited breath a word? Shut up. All right, actual word of the day. Oh, I've got to try and repronounce this now. Ecdysiast. An ecdysiast is a striptease performer. And because I said I would double check, and I did, and that's actually what it means, turns out it's a facetious word for a stripper that was coined by H.L. Mencken, a well-known sceptic of his time. I wonder what the etymology of that word is. Hang on, it says... Uh, from Ictesis. Ictesis. Um Mencken is credited with coining the word from Ictesis, meaning to malt, in response to a request uh, from Gypsy Rose Lee for a more dignified way to refer to her profession. Marvellous. Oh, right. Brilliant. So there you go. <laughs> And, and this has sceptical relevance, how? Because H.L. Mencken. Well, okay. <laughs> ha! <laughs> all right. Not I'll all the that. words have sceptical relevance. It's just sometimes they're just funny or interesting. And it turned out to be really irrelevant, so I win. You always win, Nathan. I know, right. So, you've been listening to the Completely Unnecessary Sceptical Podcast. If you'd like to send us a message or send feedback, check out the Facebook page and do it that way because our contact form is broken. Do we have a Facebook page? We have a Facebook page. Oh my God, you don't even know about the Facebook page. There's like 17 people who actually like it. Oh, okay. I know, right? We're really popular and stuff. Let's hope they don't revoke their likes. Yes. Um, But yes, send us uh, or an email. You could probably find out how to email us. We're not that hard to get hold of. Um, comment on Susie's blog, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Dot org dot nz. Did it actually record? Oh. Of course, it recorded. Yeah. Huh. Why would Why would you think that we? Why would we doubt recording? you? Why would why we would doubt you your doubt ability that? to press the record button? Why 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 would you think that? <laughs> I don't understand. No, no, you don't. Stop picking on me. Oh, we're just fascist bully boys, Craig. Oh, it's Sue Nicholson's website is bloody awful. Is it oh. awful website or just awful designed. writing? All of it. Uh. It's pink and purple. Not that I have anything against pink and purple. Um, it's got it's got a heart with wings on it. Ugh.